You're very welcome along to the 15 for 30 podcast here on Balls.ie with me, Mick McCarthy. This is our new GA series here on Balls.ie where every week we are looking for the best 15 in the last 30 years from a certain county team. Last week we started with the Donegal footballers. Lots of great reaction, lots of great debate. We had Brendan Benny on this podcast picking his team. We had lots of votes and we revealed that team. This week, we're talking about hurling. We're talking about Waterford hurling in particular. I'm delighted to say we're going to have Kieran O'Connor, who's been the, a long-time lead commentator for Waterford Games on WLR Radio, um, which is going to be really, really interesting. He's seen all of these guys play a long time. We've already had great reaction for the Waterford um, one since it went up um, early on yesterday, on Monday, and um, lots of votes in so far. So, But there's still lots to play for. These things do run over the course of a week. If you want to vote for your team, all you have to do is go on to balls.ie. You will see there in the GEA section, really easy to do. There is an article there. There is a place to vote. You just pick your 15 players. We're not giving you anything else. We're not trying to pick your team for you. We're not giving you a choice of three guys where you have to pick them in a certain position. You just pick your team, one to 15, and we'll add up the votes and we'll pick the team come Saturday afternoon. Now, before we get on to Kieran and talk about Waterford and what a what an era and what a team, uh, what the last 30 years Waterford have had, basically from the kind of breakthrough of 1998, which I know is only 22 years ago, all the way through to now, really, Waterford have been a really relevant team in hurling. It wasn't always that way, um, but, you know, what characters and legends that they've had over that time. But, as I said, we did have a huge reaction to our Donegal show. Um, lots of votes, lots of uh, interesting choices, lots of a uh, couple of surprises of people who were left out. But the final team that people did go for in order of votes was Paul Durkin and Golds. That was an absolute walkover. I think he had the fourth most votes of everybody. Uh, full back line of Paddy McGrath, Neil McGee, and Frank McGlynn. Uh, half back line of Ryan McHugh, Carl Lacey, and Kevin Cassidy. Midfield, Anthony Malloy and Neil Gallagher. A half forward line of Christy Toy, Martin McHugh, and Paddy McBrearty. And a full forward line of Tony McBoyle, Michael Murphy, and Colin McFadden. And just to say on that, just a couple of little notes on how we do things here. Um, they are basically the 15 with the most votes kind of put into a team that made sense. So, except for one, one exception, Adrian Sweeney, had the six, he actually had the 15 most votes. Paddy McGrath, cornerback, had the 16th most votes. But the, it was only a slight number between them, and the team needs to make sense. So we went with the cornerback over the full forward in this situation however Paddy McBrearty for example was picked mainly in the full forward line and we put him into half forward line because he had so many more votes than the next available half forward um, and it also it, it, the team still makes sense to play him there so that's the thought behind it that's the the loose rules that we have ultimately we are trying to go with the team that you pick um, but it's there's so so many votes going in there everything goes after moved around a little bit and we don't want to be too uh, particular about where guys end up, you know, if somebody is picked at midfield but has slightly less votes but has thousands more votes than the next wing forward, they should obviously be in the team. They are picked as the main 15 for 30 in this regard. Just to let you know, a couple of players who didn't uh, make it, uh, Eamon McGee, um, Adrian Sweeney, as we mentioned, very, very, very unlucky only that there's so many brilliant full forwards in in, um, in Donegal, but there was a real campaign for him. Uh, Neil McGee's brother, Eamon, and Rory Kavanagh, who played for 16 years for uh, for Donegal and was really unfortunate. Um, and kind of, I think, a lot of split votes between Kavanagh and Christy Toy. And the fact that the midfield is so strong with a legend in the 92 captain, Anthony Malloy, and of course Neil Gallagher, it just kind of squeezed them out. I, 
it'd be hard to say if you're actually picking a team to go out and play football that you wouldn't be at least considering um, Rory Cavanagh in there. But anyway, that's Donegal. That's the football for this week. We'll have more football again next week um, when we do next week's show. But this week, I want to concentrate on hurling. We want to pick our Waterford 15 for 30. Again, get over to Ballsley and pick that now. You haven't until Saturday afternoon. But we're going to get the team right now of WLR's Kieran O'Connor. But first, let's have a listen to some of the players that might be involved in your teams and his team. People of Waterford are my life, you know, and I, 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 love, I, love, I love my county, you know. We love John Mellon! We're joined by uh, WLR commentator and one of the voice of Waterford hurling almost, Kieran O'Connor. Kieran, how are you doing? Not too bad at all, mate. Not too bad at all. Listen, thanks a million for doing this. We really appreciate it. It's great to get a voice from the county that we're going to be talking about all week um, across site on Balls of E and here in the podcast and everything like that. And somebody that's probably seen every match in those 30 years. And, and we'll get your team in a few minutes. And that's the most interesting part. But I do want to talk about kind of like, it's almost a Waterford in general. It's It's a... It's been a kind of an amazing, it might not be a 30-year thing as such, but in, since 1990, they've come so far. When you think about you know, the glory days in 1959, another All-Ireland in 1963, a defeated final, a Munster final then, I think in 66, and then nothing until the three, final, the three Munster finals in the 80s that you know, yeah. there's an argument that Waterford would have been better off not getting into them given what happened. To, to, yes, to yes, come yes. To, to the way it sort of developed over the course of the 90s into the 2000s where Waterford came as a team to the top table of hurling and not only it wasn't just a one-off, they stayed there and they're kind of established now as one of those teams. So if you take go back to kind of the doldrums era, it would have been very hard to see this coming. Very much so. And it's amazing, as you say, like I think ourselves and Mayo have a lot of similarities over the yeah. years, you know, everybody's favourite second team, but just not getting over the line. But I think, uh, and for a while, confidence becomes a big thing. It becomes um, a good performance for a long while for Walford was almost in the old knockout stages. Once we weren't put uh, hammered out the door, became nearly the norm as such. And because of the old system, it hammered us. So you met Tipper Cork in the first round, and if you were Limerick and you were beaten, you were gone for the year. You know, so I growing up for a long while just got one game a year. You know, I was at the All Ireland. I was you know, giving away my age, and I was at the All Ireland sixty three. And my late dad said to me as we were leaving Crow Park that day, I'll always remember what he said: "We'll be back next year." Mm. We didn't get back till two thousand and eight. You know, but uh, yeah, we had some very very lean years. But the big turning point for me was the appointment of Gerald McCarthy. Yeah, I think that was huge. It actually brought a belief in the fact he'd done it as a player and a manager. And the lads bought into him brilliantly. He brought a professional outlook and a positive outlook and a, a can-do outlook. You know, I think that was huge, Mick. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get to Gerald, actually. I have two memories, one of them being, uh, one, you know, probably his main moment in charge. But the first one is almost, I was at, uh, like, group as, as, as a Clare fan, a Clare family, and we seemed to play Waterford uh, a good few times in 1992 across different, uh, um, across different uh, levels. And... 
there was a sense I remember at the 92 under 21 months of final, I was only like eight years old, but I still remember it as there was a sense of a new era between the, both the two teams. And Waterford went on to win that and they went on to win the All-Ireland. They got to a minor All-Ireland final in the same year. Mm. It's funny that it kind of mixes in with sort of the, the low point of Waterford senior hurling the following year was losing to Kerry in the Munster Championship. Right. But that 92 team carried so much weight for a long time and so much expectation. But, you know, they were in some ways a kind of a, a special group that did sort of, they were the catalyst for this, this Very uh, much group so. to kick and like, on. As you it? say, like that, that 92 and um, 74, we got to a, a Munster final as well when John Galvin and Ken's dad, Pat McGrath, were, were, were the backbone of the team. But 92, as you said, that was fantastic. That was the arrival of Paul Flynn, and I'll never forget yeah. the Munster minor final that day. We played Tipperary. We hadn't won a Munster title since 1948. And uh, we, were, we were trailing in the second half against Tip. Cork were playing Limerick in the, second, uh, in, the, in the senior match. But the Cork crowd were pouring in, as were Limerick. And they saw, looked up at the scoreboard after a few points, saw Waterford against Tipperary. So all the neutral, everyone in the stadium, bar a small contingent of Tip Minor supporters, were behind Waterford. And Finner gets a hat-trick of goals, two of them in the second half, and one near the finish. And my, my biting memory is looking down at the Black Rock end and to see the whole Cork supporters in unison when Finner got that magic goal to, to snatch a draw and go on and win the replay. But that was really the, the starting block. And then the under-21s drove on from there. And ironically, Paul was brought on, came on in the drawn All-Ireland final and came on in the replay. And they beat a great Clare and Offaly team that year mm. who all went on and won two All-Irelands apiece, but unfortunately didn't happen for us. But that was a great start, starting point, excuse me. But what happened then, had we Gerald McCarthy in 93, I'm not blaming the management or involved in the meantime, but we were doing the same old, same old type of scenario. I think with a lot of the older generation, five selectors and splitting between clubs and county champions, supplying the, the, the lead man as such. Mm. That all changed under Gerald McCarthy. But unfortunately, from 92 to 98, we, that, that reflection of that great talent was never shown. And I, I think it was Gerald got that, albeit five or six years too late. Yeah, and I don't know if you'd agree, but my kind of like sense of hurling in so many ways, and it can be almost cliched and old-fashioned, but there's so much of about it is belief. And that can be on both sides. So when Claire did go, I was at that Munster final, the first one in, in both of them in 98, but the first one under Gerald McCarthy, and it's a new Waterford team. And even though they'd had the big win, you know, the few weeks before, you're kind of still thinking, this is an established team. They're double All-Ireland champions. You know, this is actually a handy enough Munster final because yeah. of what you knew of Waterford yes. and it didn't matter the talent level mm. and yeah. Claire would have had the same problem on other sides over the years against Cork and Tip then it just takes that one team and that one to change that mentality and exactly. suddenly belief means everything and that's what happened and that's what Gerald brought to that team wasn't it? Yeah exactly the psychology is huge and in that drawn game it's a game I feel Waterford could and should have won that day yeah. and one thing happened that day and very few remember Waterford lost their grateful back Sean the Rock Colnan and that was huge at a pivotal point in that game. And I still feel to this day, had Sean stayed on, no reflection on, on the change that had to be made. But I think it really upset the team. And we've struggled for a long while to get an established fullback. And we had one of the greats, mm. Sean de Rock Cullinan. But unfortunately, um, he got injured. And then Paul Finn got the last free. It would have been a massive free had it gone over. And it just shaved the right hand upright down in the town end. But so be it. And then we all know what happened in the replay. But... That was the start of it. But one thing that year I think was very important. The following week, Mick, we met Galway. Yes. We had to regroup. And I can still feel uh, meeting the players afterwards. 
when we're beaten in the replay, they would say, oh, that's it, we're gone. And people, people in their heads weren't thinking it through. They didn't realise, lads, we have a quarter final. There was another chance. And my God, the lift it gave everyone that night that we knew we weren't as bad as we were portrayed in the replay. Mm. And I knew they were going to put up a serious performance, but never expected what we got because they were absolutely massive the following Sunday in Crow Park. Yeah, it was only the second year of the back door, so there was a kind of a sense Correct. of almost being forgotten. But yeah, I yes. thought like you know, if they if they hadn't got that win over Crow Park, would they have been able to kick on or would that belief mm-hmm. issue have become a thing again? It was actually one of the massive games I was going to talk about. But then kind of going into like the two thousands, Gerald's time came, Justin McCarthy took over and four monster titles in 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 the 10-year period of the nod, you know, between 2002 and 2010 mm. is an incredible achievement for, for a county like Waterford. And it is a pity there wasn't the sort of an All-Ireland with it. But, you know, that kind of brings us on to the players a little bit because you had that special group that sort of came through, starting with the 92 under-21 team, minor team, into that sort of 98 team, the, 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 the kind of... That was the, the backbone. The backbone of the 98 team led into 02 and the start of the 2000s. And it really was an unbelievable group of players. And what, what a way to kind of set up a sort of a, the whole future of hurling in the county to have a group of that coming through at the same Very time. But um, I'd imagine where we did Donegal last week in the football and the 92 team got a little bit squeezed out by the 2012 team and maybe they had more sustained success. My sense is, and from the early vote here, and we'll get to your team in a minute, that it's that 2000s team, maybe starting 98, ending kind of maybe 08 All-Ireland final, um, that 2000s team is really going to be the, the centre point mm. and the rock of this team, yeah. the backbone, as you'd say yourself. Very much, very much. And like the actual brilliant days we had and the system has changed since, but Munster Championship games they, that time were special. And you were going, knowing we were going to give a good performance and hopefully win. And then the numerous Munster finals we were in and uh, those occasions were just unbelievable. And the county really rode in behind this team. There was an unbelievable uh, warmth to these players. And there was some... Not only were they great hurlers, they were great characters in that team yeah. as well. And there was a great sense that we were all in this together. And it's really, they say, a rising tides lift all boats. But that definitely lifted every boat in Warford and everyone's heart. And the days we had, um, my God, I often think back of them and they were just very, very special. Yeah, yeah. The 2004 Munster final in particular against Cork. And again, we'll get to kind of individual players now in a second, mm. but I think that might have been the, you know, in some ways the height of it. That's the that's the day that's been played, you know, since we've all been watching classic matches. We've seen over a lot the last of it the last few weeks. It's been on a lot, but I have to say I've never turned it off because I, I just never remember a day like it and Paul Finn's goal and just so many epic performances and everything mm. that happened with, with, with John Milan and everything like that. But oh three, oh four, those monster finals mm. following into what happened in the aftermath and Cole Park and stuff. Uh, Mick, I think both teams brought out the best in each other. Warford and Cork, Cork that was mm-hmm. a super Cork team again. You know, the Ben O'Connors, Ben and Jerry and Jodine yeah. and Sean Og and Gardner and Kenny. So you had really, the, and, and the Rocket fullback and Don Logan Gold. So you, you, you had two great hurling teams who went out and hurled with a band. Now I know some analysts now looking at it would, would scream at the way people give away possession, whatever. But my God, the quality of the hurling, as they say, Riverdance hurling, really, which it was. Yeah. And the epic games that, that we had. And uh, as you say, the 04 game will stand out. The 07, a monster final against Limerick performance. Mm. The 02 semi final and, and the 02 final against Tip as well. There, there were some but brilliant days. The monster finals had that special feel that they don't ever don't have now because there's, there is the whole back door and the quarterfinal scenario, you know, and now with the new format completely. But they were very special days. And from a Warford supporter's point of view, 
Um, they were really, really will, will go down. They were like all Ireland's to us at that yeah. time. They were huge, yeah. like winning Munster, because we had suffered, not alone been beaten in Munster finals, we had been humiliated in Munster finals, as you referred to earlier in the 80s, that um, they were real. I'll never forget coming out of Thurless in 82, 531 Cork scored, and Mihalo Harris' famous comment, it's not the time I'm giving you, you know, it's 531. So um, that was a real low point. And then to get the high then and uh, all those years later. and uh, But the way we did it, I think, was special. And I think a lot of neutral hurling fans will remember the lads for that. You know, the, those special characters, those special players. I think that's it. And I think for people outside of Waterford listening to this, you know, and, and maybe trying to pick their team and not, not have the kind of expertise yourself, I think that's our memory of a lot of it is characters you know most of them didn't wear helmets as well but you know like they had this yes. they had this kind of connection with the crowd they had a connection with each other mm. and they were unbelievable and they could do magical things as well they might not have you know they might not have been as drilled as Kilkenny or they might not have been everything but Great. they could play off the cuff in a way that that very very few te- hurling teams have ever done when they clicked you know yeah what was huge that time Mick was Justin was a real hurling man a pure hurling man and so hurling took over at training sessions Justin was the first guy that I ever saw taking hurleys from guys going home. So if he cut your hurley, he'd say, show me your second hurley and your third. He wanted those three hurleys to be like the same, like, like a five iron in golf. So he brought those hurleys away. Every night he was bringing some of those hurleys away and back. Not alone your first, but your second. And he fine-tunes the actual hurley itself. Mm, the hurley wow. was everything for Justin. And the amount of times you'd see him come away with a bundle of hurleys and he did his workshop at home. So when he came to the next session, but he and, and it made so much sense for a long while, Mick, uh, if a hurler broke his number one hurley, there was devastation because next thing there was a hurley thrown out to him that he never caught before. Yeah. Justin was big into that. And likewise, in the, in the session, it was all hurling, speed of hurling, flick, skill, pass, l- low pass, hard pass, you know, high pass. But it was all hurling, hurling, hurling. And the physical happened around it. And when, if the physical went on too long... <laughs> Justin would blow the whistle to bring the lads in. Right, lads, even up for that, lads come in. Justin loved the actual hurling, and that was that was personified. And he had the lads to work with. Then he had he, he had some talent as well. But that was a huge part of Justin hurling, hurling. Absolutely, and it was probably it like it was probably perfect for its day as well. And then all, all as all things do, they evolve, and that probably had its day. Right. And then the Davy thing was probably needed when it was. And then you kind of kick on all these years later to kind of almost a you know it hasn't materialized yet. There's still time, but. What could have been a second golden age, but definitely the brilliant days of 16 and 17 under Derek McGrath, but a very, very different style and a lot more regimented and everything like that. And maybe there isn't the same kind of love around the country, but I think everybody would still love these lads to get over. And then you still have the likes of Ozzy Gleason who could do anything, Jamie Barron and these lads. It's not as if the hurling is gone. You know what I mean? They well, still have exactly that, that water from And you mentioned, you mentioned the, the uh, 92 under 21 and minor. You must remember then in 2013, we won a minor All-Ireland final. And in 2016, our Munster final performance, our win against Tip down in Walsh Park, that was one of the best hurling performances I ever saw. It was, and particularly the performance by Austin Lees in the second half that night, it was shades of, it was kind of Kieran Carey, Ken McGrath, that rolled in Billy Grimes, rolled into just abandonment. And like he was just pure magic that night. And of course, you had Stephen Bennett and Patrick Cornell lashing in the goals. You know, they broke all goal records. But that play that night was very like what we had back in, in the Ken, Ken, Ken McGrath, Dan Shannon, Milani era, you know, on Kelly. Yeah, so they still have the style there anyway that will kind of bring them on and we'll see how they get on if we do have well, I often you know, say, the next yeah. 30 years. <laughs> well, I often say, Mick, while they haven't won all Ireland, those guys were mentioning, like, they'll be, they inspired a generation. Yeah. 
I've no doubt about it that that that, that 98 2000 that that decade have inspired hurling is the number one sport now and I remember Nicky Cash and he's a, a former Abbey side hurler here and Warford hurler taught in in um, St. Kieran's for years and highly respected, managed a lot of their All-Ireland winning college teams. He said, Warford won't win All-Ireland you see young lads going around carrying hurlies. You'll see him now. Yeah. And that all is because of the, the Ken, the Tony, the Milan, the Paul Flynn, that era, Dan Shanahan, that own Kelly, that era. So now hurling is number one sport. Soccer is strong here. There's bits of rugby played, but uh, hurling is the number one and football is played as well. But hurling, any young fella growing up now, if he had a choice, what's he want to be? Hurler. They want yeah. to be a hurler. Now we have the John O'Shea obviously going going cross channel and doing well and young young Malumpy now. But like hurling is the number one sport by far in the county. And that's thanks to those guys. Thanks to those guys. And I think we're gonna talk about those guys more individually now because I'm gonna get your team. You've been commentator on WLR for most of this this era, uh, you would say most of the thirty years. You're fifteen for thirty. You've seen all these guys play so many, many times. I'd say it's as hard for you to pick this team as it is for anyone, as it is for someone who's nearly involved in it. You've commentated on them all so many times. Well, exactly, you know, and I've such great memories, and it's it is difficult. So yeah, it is, it is, and I, as you say, going 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 right back. Ironically, my first All Irelands for a man from Waterford. Would you believe me? Were three All Ireland finals. My first three games, ninety two. The uh, minor, and then 92, the under 21, and the under 21 replay against Galway. And I said, geez, this is great. We're going to have these every year. And then we know what happened until 2008. But yeah, so, so, so like to pick the team, um, it's difficult to wind it down to 15. But look, what it has to be done. And look, um, I know so, there'll be some that I leave out and people won't be happy about. But I think that's the nature of it. And it's more of a, uh, we'll say, a talking point as much as anything, you know. That's it. It's a debate. Nobody's going to have the same team. That's, that's that's the whole point of it, isn't it? That we don't have we yes. don't have sport to talk about at the moment, so we need to kind of look back a little yes. bit, and we yes. don't have bar stools to sit on, so we have to do these over Correct. Uh, Correct. over video. Starting in goal, then, right? Um, there's definitely okay. been a couple of very like uh, two two goalkeepers would jump out okay. to me anyway over the over the course of the thirty yeah. years. Yeah, and ironically, goalkeeping has been a problem for Warford way back back. To 57, then we had Ned Power, and you know, but anyway, goalkeepers haven't been. And we had Brendan Landers then in '98, who really was a very promising young goalie. There was a fallout with him and management, so he bit the dust. Then we, Stevie Brenner came along, then Clinton Hennessy came along, but then Stephen O'Keefe came along, and my god, what a keeper! And I, I've, I watched him, he won again. Something we omitted about the rise of Warford Hurley was the strength of our college hurling, De La Salle won two All Ireland's. And the Dungarvan College has won All Ireland and two Hartleys as well. So that has been a good um, that that has been a good uh, foundation. Mm. But Stephen O'Keefe, from when I saw him as under sixteen, minor colleges under twenty one, what a keeper, what a puck out, what a brave keeper. We all know the famous time with um, Anthony Nash that time that he 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 actually was probably responsible for for getting the penalty changed to to um, three men and or one man on the line. But Stephen O'Keefe would definitely very very special player. And a huge, huge part of the Warford setup. And ironically, Billy Nolan has arrived on the scene, who's a brilliant goalie as well. So they, they say, like waiting for a bus, and all of a sudden we've two of the best goalies that I've seen over <laughs> my 40 years all he's together good. on the panel together. But Stephen O'Keefe, Saki is he's known. Yeah. The Belly Gunner Bank of Ireland man, he'd be my my number one. Grant, I don't think you're going to get too much, uh, too, too many less controversial picks as 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 we go down. Uh, the cornerbacks, then, like I mean, again, sometimes I, I I'm just looking at this, and there's a, it's a very much a top line thing, and you know, mm. is it like you're looking at for me, it's almost the two all stars in in Owen Murphy and 
and Noel Connors. And I actually wanted to talk. Uh, you could, uh, if there are, I presume Noel Connors is, but without without preempting you. But Noel Connors for me, it's only when I'm doing the research on this yesterday, and it's like you know he's been one of the top hurlers in the country for a long time. You think about him as one of the premier cornerbacks, but to win three All Stars at cornerback from Waterford when you haven't been in All-Ireland Finals every year mm. and you haven't been winning the All-Ireland like so Kenny, yeah. it's a remarkable achievement. It's something that is mm. often thrown at Ollie Canning in, in, in Galway that he won four right. of them for, for what wasn't the greatest Galway team in the world. But Connors is up there in terms of that achievement. Like, it's incredible. Definitely. Like, and the players he marked, he was a go-to man, you know, be it Patrick Horgan, uh, Owen Kelly. Like, if, if there was a man to be marked, Connors was the man, you know, great pace, great anticipation. He's dead before and played for Waterford, but, but Noel, strong as an ox, but great pace, those first three yards, great, and he backed himself every time. And he'd lift the team. He was a cornerback that actually lifted the team. Mm. Cork had a guy called John Horgan back in the 70s. And you reminded me a bit of him. When Noel got the ball, he'd lift the team. Again, he came through with Derek McGrath through the college team that won the All-Ireland with Stephen O'Keefe and the Harties in the All-Ireland. But a real, real great talent and um, deserved every one of his All-Stars. And you say it's a huge achievement coming from Orford to get an All-Star, uh, four All-Stars, as he did. But a, a real, real um, rock of the of the team of the of the noughties. You know, very special cornerback. You know, right. the right corner. Then, as you mentioned, Owen Murphy is the obvious, and uh, Owen Murphy again, a real diligent cornerback, very understated, but uh, no one ever destroyed Murphy. You know, and again, great man to back himself, which I love about a cornerback when he backs himself. Now, I've a, I've a scenario then that you've young Ty Burka coming through then as well, and if yeah. I'm trying to fit everybody in to a team, so. I'm down to the side between Owen Murphy and Ty De Burka. And um, I'd probably go with Murphy, right? But I think Ty De Burka uh, probably hasn't played enough as much as the others have. Yeah. And otherwise, he'd definitely be on my team in the probably in the halfback line. But then how do you get on the halfback line? <laughs> You'll see when it comes to it. But I was half considering putting Ty back in the corner. But the more I thought about a cornerback is such a special position. If we're going for Waffer's top 15, Ty might be in it. But when we're going for a team, and a right cornerback. I think it has to be more from the Shamrocks. And uh, he's one of my co commentators now as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> this is and the only time you're allowed to be political. No, no, you said it. No, but when, when you asked me for a cornerback, a number two, Owen Murphy. But as I say, the independent are on this competition of the top 20, which is different scenarios. So I think picking a team, if I was selected, picking cornerback, Murphy, Murphy would be the man. Fair enough, yeah. Now, and Tyke de Burke definitely shouldn't be overlooked. The young hurler of the year, the all-star yes. himself. But um, full-back then, Again, hadn't a lot played and he's injured for the last two years as well. Exactly, you know? yeah, yeah. And he'll be back again, like, you know, when we do this again in a few years. Uh, Please, but God. Please full, God. Full-back then has been um, a kind of a problem position, I suppose. You mentioned it earlier a little bit, you know, like for, for, for Waterford over the years. But they have really? some go- has had some good players that have played there in the, la- in the last 30 years. Well, very much been. like Declan Prendergast and Tom Feeney and all these played there. Even Ken went back and Fergal went back. A very specialist position. As I mentioned earlier, Sean Cullinan was a massive fullback, but got that injury in 98. Towards the end of his career, he came on the scene 10 years earlier. So as this team was taking off, Sean was in the twilight of his career, as was Stephen Frampton, who we'll talk about later. But, but Sean Cullinan, the rock, but uh, as I say, when we went to the to the noughties, to the team, say from uh, from '98 on, mm. uh, Sean, that was the end of of Sean's career. So I'm doing a bit of moving around here. <laughs> when when I'm going to put in full back, as he played there on a few occasions, but could play anywhere, bar and goal was was Brick Walsh. So I, I'm putting Brick Walsh. Might seem strange to you, but I'd put him in full back because he's such a talent. He's ten or twelve county senior football medals. 
he was man of the match against Kerry in a Munster under twenty one final when we beat Kerry. Yeah. Kerry beat us in it. <laughs> Kerry beat us in ninety three in in foot in hurling, and we beat them <laughs> in football in ten years later. But Brick Walsh and Shane Walsh, his namesake, but Brick was the man that did it. But you could play him anywhere. What a player! What a fielder and a great man marker and great distributor. And he'd pick a ball out of a. a a bunch of Beatles feet, you know, he was just brilliant, yeah. brilliant. And he could play so anywhere. Up I, I'm, the using, from three I'm using, I'm using, I'm using a bit of uh, political uh, <laughs> license there. Yeah, and yeah. I want to put Brick in fullback. So Brick. Oh, fair enough. I, I can't imagine he wouldn't do an amazing job for you. And actually, it's funny. I was going to get, get on, getting onto the wing backs, and I was going to say this is where it starts to get interesting because you had so many great hurlers in Waterford. You get to the half back line; they could play half forward, yes. midfield, half back. Tony Brown, Ken McGrath, Brick Walsh, I was going to say. Do you know what I mean? All these lads um, could kind of play everywhere. But we've already kind of taken care of Brick. Um, but I just uh, Kevin Moran's another one, obviously. Who um, who okay. are you looking for for the wing-backs then? So, like, wing-backs, and you mentioned there, I mentioned like Stephen Frampton, again, came, like Sean Conan, was coming near the twilight of his career when the team took off. But sure. what a great servant. He was... He was wing-back and captain in 98. And when we beat Tip, that was really the catalyst of where we took off from. But he gave John Lahey a shoulder that day that I felt it up in the commentary box, you know what I mean? And people still talk about it. But he wasn't a dirty player, but my God, he stood up and he was inspirational. And uh, he was a great player. Brian De Bullfield, likewise, great, honest. You saw him in the 04 final, one of a few um, Munster clubs with um, De La Salle as well. What a servant he was as well. He'd come into consideration. But when going with in the number five shirt is Tony Brown. Again, yeah. a bit like Brick could play anywhere. But uh, I think right half back was his right right half back midfield. Either of those were he were his best. But he was absolutely brilliant. And I mentioned ninety eight the day up in Crow Park when he gave an, literally an exhibition the year he got hurler of the year. But uh, three all stars and uh, several county titles with um, eight or nine county titles with Mount Sinai. But for Warford, he was Mister Consistent and how he kept himself so fit mm. and so versatile. And he really, if if Tony was told if he sleep. Upside down, hanging from the ceiling <laughs> to do you Tony do it. He bought into diet well before its time, diet and nutrition. And Jerry Fitzpatrick, the Waterford trainer, often said that about Tony. Tony loved to get that extra inch. And my God, he was a real professional hurler. He did everything to a tea down to his breakfast from his his mother Madge in the morning with the with the porridge. Yeah, what a, what a player. So Tony Brown, number five. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't think you'll get much argument there if you were to go number seven. Then. Um... Number seven, at? again, because of the versatility, again, a man who could play in several positions, I'd put Kevin Moore. Yeah. Good under yeah. the puck outs as well. And I think facing the ball is Kevin's best. He could play midfield, play half forward. But I think half forward, half back, he was most comfortable, even with his club, De La Salle. Uh, he was outstanding. And again, um, special talent, a real athlete. Kevin Kevin went to Newcastle. And Kevin, like, Warford's hurling gain was Newcastle and soccer's loss. He was a very talented soccer player. But yeah. hurling was his first love and he was lonely, I think, over in England as well. Thankfully, from our point of view, because he came on to be such an unbeliever and a leader uh, as the team, as the older brigade left uh, following the 08, Kevin became a huge important factor for Warford hurling as well. But inspirational and a man that Derek McGrath really nurtured from, they were club mates and Derek had him in De La Salle. Mm. Ironically, he's teaching there now. Teaching but together, what a real yeah. talent. What yeah. a real talent. What a real talent. And, Absolutely. The uh, point you got against Kilkenny. Correct. The qualifiers at the last minute there is something that I don't think any Waterford oh. fan will ever forget. Like. And unfortunately, in the All-Ireland final, um, that uh, when the game was in the balance, we were a point up and Kevin went through. And he had, I think he literally had too much time heading into the canal in or the Devon in. And uh, he, he put a ball wide that I'd say still plagues him because we'd have gone two up and whatever like that. But 
what an inspiration, what an engine, and definitely well worth his place on the team. But I'm putting him in a, as a, my number seven. Yeah, they're two good ball players for wing back now in, in Tony Brown and Kevin Moore, and I can't argue with that. You've kind of preempted the debate uh, for uh, the centre half back by, uh, <laughs> by putting Brick in at full back, but in some ways, there really is no debate. Ken McGrath, you could argue, like, is definitely in any conversation for Waterford's greatest hurler. And, like, you know, the, the, it was kind of when he went back to six, as he was already a legend almost, but he only mm. solidified that even more and became. Well, I'm actually. So much of a I'm actually. No? I'm actually oh, using, there we go. using poetic license here. There I like we go. it. I like it. I'm after yeah, making yeah, a fool yeah. of myself. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no problem. No problem at all. Man, I'm putting in, look, as you say, Ken, like, like, like so many players, Ken, Tony, Kevin, Brick, you can play him anywhere. I'm playing Ken at number 11, you know, where I think yeah. he was just outstanding uh, as well. Unmarkable, I reckon. He's seven points in play in the 0-2 Munster final. Now, brilliantly, Ken centre-back, and we all know what he did at centre-back against Cork that day in, in Thurles. But there's one man I just couldn't leave out, and that was Fergal Hartley. Oh, Fergal part Hartley, of the 92, yeah, yeah. Part of the 92 under-21 team. He was a stalwart and then uh, leader and captain in, in uh, 02, 10 years later. You know, and I was delighted to see him because he could have fell by the wayside because of those lean years between 02 or 92 on, you know, and even the, the 98 Munster final campaign, Gerald McCarthy, remember speaking to Gerald on him, Gerald had the height of respect from as had Justin, you know, so um, I'm, putting, I'm putting Fergal on because I think leaving him out as a, as a, as a centre-back inspiration and captain, I think would be would be a pity. And particularly, as I say, with a player like Ken, you could play him. He's all-stars in defence, midfield and attack. So I'm, I'm using my poetic licence there. But I oh, think no, not, picking, not, not picking Fergal would be a, a terrible um, omission. Absolutely, fair enough. And that's why you're picking the team and I'm not. And we're hoping that, and it's water for people that we're looking for and not, uh, <laughs> no problem. not people So it's like Tony, Tony Fergal and Kevin Moore. Not a bad halfback. Not a bad halfback line at all. This is shaping up to be a pretty good team, actually, when you actually see it on paper. Um, midfield then, I think there's, again, a good few options here. Like. Yeah, a good few options here. And again, um, it's very hard to decide with the different eras. There was almost three different teams. There was a team that, that Gerald would say had then the Justin era Justin Davy, and then you're into the to the Derrick era. So I'm moving it on to two men from the modern era. I'm going to put midfield. Mm-hmm. I'm putting uh, Austin Gleeson and Jamie Barron. Yeah, Gleeson actually is another one that we when we were talking about lads that could play all over the pitch. It's some, some yes. sort of a Waterford tradition almost. Yeah, it uh, is. Yeah, but, brilliant, uh, yeah, yeah. That that's a that's a, a, a kind of a an unbelievable midfield. But Jamie Barron is one of those players like won two All Stars in a row and and, and kind of. He's always almost the second or third player. An unbelievable games. engine. And Derek got the best out of it. That For a while he was in the forwards. They even played a little bit as young player cornerback, but in the forward line. But midfield gave him that, gave him that freedom. Mm. A massive link man, give and take the ball. But he was great to come off the shoulder. Then he'd come through. And as you know, he got on some unbelievable goals. against Kilkenny... Uh, down in Thurles, the famous night of Warper beat Kilkenny, and then of course against Cork as well. An unbelievable engine, great talent, great skill, an ideal linkman in the modern game at midfield. And as, you, as we mentioned there, our friend um, Austin Leeson like, could play anywhere again, but uh, it seems to be trading Mount Sinai as well with Tony Ken himself. But uh, Austin Leeson, to leave him out would be criminal. Uh, and I still think the best is yet to come from Aussie from a county point of view. And I think Liam Cattle had him really buzzing for this year. And yes. hopefully we might see a bit of hurling for the end of the year. But omitting him with his displays in the underage sector, like we don't win too many All-Irelands, but he was key to 92 or 2013 and 2016 in particular. 
uh, to us winning those and then he's displays for the senior team um, over the last number of years so I'm going with the two young men midfield and Austin Gleeson and Jamie Barron yeah, absolutely. That's an that's an incredible midfield. Gleason, I have to say, just even from my own point of view, something I've kind of argued about a lot in that, like he's do, he does things that I've never seen a hurler be able to do, and he's remarkable. And then sometimes you're thinking, oh god, I wish you wouldn't always try and do the magic thing and mm. and mature. And and then you kind of remember, this guy's only a young lad. Like he's only and this that will happen, and he'll develop more this as a exactly leader, and he'll do yeah. these things. Yeah. The best is definitely yet to come from him, and when yeah. that does he could be the best hurler in the country, you know? Correct. Yeah. And possibly the hurler of the year, getting it so young and young hurler of the year, all those all those things coming together and whatever. But look, I definitely think he's on the right track now. And of course, career-wise, well, guys are in college. And so his mm. career is settling down as well, you know. And uh, he's working with TQS, actually, the, the county sponsors at the moment. But um, he's a guy who I think could be, will be huge. Like the best is yet to come. But... Some of his performances commentating on them, particularly as I mentioned, that display in the under-21 Munster final beating Tipperary um, will live long in the memory. But Austin Gleeson and Jamie Barron um, are, are midfield. Without a doubt. And there's, uh, for, for a, a great team, the, the one we're talking about, the kind of the 2000s team was known for its forwards. And, we haven't, and we've already got a pretty good team before we even get to that. It's almost yeah. who's going to get in, who's going to get out is the, is the question well, now. But, now. <laughs> now we're coming to a nitty gritty now. I let, now. <laughs> I'll let you get to your half forward line. Okay. All right. Half forward line then, number 10 has to be Dan the Man. You know, and what, what a campaign, like what a talent. And again, he's a man... Uh, Burst onto the scene under Gerald McCarthy, then lost his way a little, lost a bit of form, had a bit of uh, discipline problems with Gerald playing soccer and committing and whatever, you know. And next he came on the scene in 02. He was actually only a sub in the Munster final in 02. Nice. But my God, like he had two options then. He, was, he could have felt frustrated and, and walk. He stuck at it and Justin brought out the best in Dan and what we saw in 04 and then really capitulated in, in 07 into a, an unbelievable superstar goal getter you know so Dan um, Dan definitely and if, if if you're looking for a poster boy of that team you'd be yeah. putting Dan up there anyway you know with <laughs> several but Dan was the man and big hit with the girls of course as well but what a hand he had for puck outs unbelievable and the battles he had Luppy wouldn't have seen the great games between Lismore his club and Bally Gunner and Frampton and, and, and Hartley will tell you they were in the backbone of the of the um, Bally Gunner half back line marking Dan is a handful and his brother Morris but Dan under a high ball, right half forward, on his game. And what a man to, to, to come off the shoulder and he drift away and then next thing, back at the net, you know, and those brilliant goals he got, yeah. one better than the next. Some great goals in Crow Park and Turles. So and it's, Dan it's, has to be it's the on the team and I'm putting him in at number 10. Lovely. And that's it. It's, it's the puck outs and sort of the ability to maybe come from deep with the goals that is why right. you'd have him outside rather than in at 14, yeah. yeah. And he could drift in as well. And we saw yeah. in 04 when they just move around a lot. Justin was big into this uh, movement of the forward line, drifted in full forward, high ball in, cotton turned the rock and then bang, back at the net, you know. And, and the lift goals, I always reckon goals are worth more than three points, particularly in hurling. There's something about see a goal crashing off the net that mm. lifts everybody. And Dan gives lots of lifts over the years and... Uh, <laughs> Those eight or nine goals in, in, in 2017 will never be forgotten, but Dan is in at number 10. Lovely. Some amount of goals, some player, um, and some kind of legend as well, outside of even what he achieved in the hurling field. But, Correct. Um, you know, just by, by his presence alone. Um, you mentioned Ken there is another one, and uh, you're going for him at 11. And, um, Ken at 11, yeah. Yeah, oh, and what a player make, he like was. Like this guy at 11, and I was, I was involved with the launch of Ken's book, and indeed... 
Ken's uh, night that we had for Ken when he had that serious operation had a lot of, of health problems and there was a, he was up in the Beacon Hospital in Dublin which was a very costly place to be and we had a charity night and we got 110 all-stars assembled. When I say 110, that's counting DJ, DJ with nine or Henry and all these different famous horrors of the past coming along. You know, with the Cork guy, Sean Oak, Don Logan, those Davy Fitz was there, Damien Fitzhenry, Brendan Cummins, all came for Ken that night. And there was 97,000 raised in one night for Ken mm, McGrath. I think that spoke volumes. One of the biggest crowds in Walsh Park for years until last year's championship, you know, for, it was all for Ken that night. And he was very embarrassed about it, but it showed you the respect he had, not alone within Walford, but outside in the greater hurling fraternity. And But he, his performance, and the night he launched his book, Don Logrady, I was interviewing him and I was talking about Ken and he said, I used to always love when Ken was centre-back, he said. Because when Ken was centre-forward, he was unmarkable. <laughs> unmarkable. And I think that summed it up. He's seven points. If you look at the O2 Muster final, Ken's display that day, he was the only young guy at the time. Came on the team in 96 as a minor. He played minor in 21 and senior in 96. But in O2, he was majestic centre-forward and unmarkable as... Um, as Don O'Grady said, <coughs> particularly in that monster final, I think, showed it. But we could have had him centre-back where he was awesome and midfield, inspirational and a leader at centre-back and did not, demanded a lot from the players around him. Make, if you weren't coming up, he wouldn't be long saying it up front or no. in the dressing room. No. He had that special, a bit of the Roy Keane and Paul O'Connell, when he looked at you and when he called you, you know, you were called to arms. When Ken said it, you did it. And uh, centre-forward, I'd put him, but I'd put him anywhere, but I wouldn't pick a team without him. <laughs> I don't think you know? many managers would, to be honest. Um, and that's a, the, you're already shaping up as a pretty amazing half-forward line uh, before we get to your second wing forward. Yeah, the second wing forward, and you mentioned the 4 final, and people talk about Flinner's goal and Dan's goal. Owen Kelly's goal that day was an amazing goal. If you look yeah. it back again, came down the stand side, heading into the town end, rounded his marker. Uh, Jerry O'Connor was tracking back. He to change grip in the hurley. He came in the inline. And from an impossible angle, and he, he was against one of the top goalies, Don Lowe, roofed it to the back of the net, you know, and that's what he was capable of. Yeah. That's what he was, he was unbelievable. To, again, a guy on his day, brilliant, and then he, he'd have days, you'd say, where's on Kelly today? Yeah. You know, he was, there was a bit of up consistency he lacked, but when he was on form and the talent he had, he, he won two All-Stars and could have won one much more. Only for I think he lacked consistency, whether it was from a psychological point of view or just he's fed out of games a lot, Mick, you know? Yeah, but you couldn't have a team without him. I completely agree. You, you just beat me to it. All I was going to say was there was days you'd watch Waterford and thinking you could have Milan, Dan, you could have Flynn, uh, Ken McGrath, all of them. And you think, Jesus, this own Kelly lad is better than any of them. And then there's other days when you'd forget he was on the team, you know? That's and, uh, that's, and that was his level, though, his ceiling was as high as anybody in the country, wasn't Unbelievable. it? Unbelievable. Yeah. And like the talent he had, and as I say, it's worth looking at the O2 Munster or the O4 finds that famous game we've seen enough of it now. I nearly <laughs> know every puck in it at this stage. But uh, that goal that day, I think, epitomised on Kelly and what a talent. And uh, have to be honest, and he had some great displays. And even in in uh, the All-Ireland final, our, our disaster in uh, 08 against Kilkenny, Kelly Kelly got an All-Star that year, you know, because... Um, and deserved it, you know, so um, yeah. had to be in the team. So not a bad half-forward line of Dan, Mer Dan Shanahan, Ken McGrath and Owen Kelly. Nah, that's unbelievable. Um, and then we'll get to your full forward line. We're running out of line. positions now, we'll get to your full forward make, line. That's my problem. You're still trying to get a few players in. You've only got three spots left. Um, yeah. There I say well, we know who's in the corners. Well, number 13, you mentioned him earlier in passing about the 0-4 Munster final. It has to be John Milan, you know, like what, what, what a talent. 
burst onto the scene in 01. And ironically, he's that day, he, he came on, Gerald McCarthy was manager. He came on at uh, corner forward. He was picked to, turn, to play Limerick. And as we mentioned earlier, uh, as a guy's back door, if you're beaten in the first round that year, you were gone. Limerick beat, we led by 11 points. I still, I was getting nightmares after that for a long time. 11 <laughs> points up in Parky Keeve, we lost it. But a turning point was Milan. There's a guy called Clem Smith playing for Limerick at the yeah. time. But um, anyway, let's say Milan came off the rough, the wrong side of Clem Smith and he limped off the field. And he was just turning the place inside out that day. But he came back and my God, did he come back in 02. And then, of course, 03, he got three goals in the Munster final in 03. That's the famous day and he lost. put the three fingers up to the Cork fans <laughs> when he got the third goal. A lot of people thought it was two, but I'm always saying it was three anyway. But um, <laughs> got three, he, he got three goals that day and uh, was on a losing team. Unbelievable. And, and something happened that day was unbelievably. There was two talents in action here. Paul Flynn had a free 40 metres out. The Cork backs were, uh, all started backing in. Flinner spots Milan over in the left half, heading into the town end. Straight ball to Milan to the hand, and Milan roofed it from about 25 metres. Like quick ticking of Flynn, but the finish of Milan was just superb. So uh, had to be on the team and great pace and really a nightmare to mark for any defender. Yeah, I think like his talent level is un- undeniable. I just want to, there's one thing that comes to mind when I talk about Milan, when I think about Milan, and it's because of kind of all the stuff that's been on at the moment between the Michael Jordan documentary that everybody's watching and kind of how he took the bull by the horns, pardon the pun, at the end of, you know, of, of the, the the last game he played. And then we we were doing a thing about the greatest Gaelic football moments um, of all time. It came down to a final of Kieran McDonald's point against Dublin in 2006 in the last minute and Morris Fitzgerald's point against Dublin in 2001, which was also in the last minute. And you're thinking, the great players take that last shot, if you know what I mean. It doesn't matter what mm. sport it is. And I remember... God, I, I, John, I'm going to forget the year, but it was a quarterfinal in Perlis that I was at with Waterford. We're playing and Galway. Galway. Yeah. And Milan just said, F this. I'm doing it on my own because mm. that's what the great players do and that's what leaders do and won the game for his county. You know, and, and he did that a thousand times. That was just the one that jumps to my head. And that defines, for me, the difference between a brilliant player with great talent and a true great player, you know? Well, exactly, you know, and like he had that, and again, a crowd, a crowd, crowd loved Milan. When Milan got the ball, there was a buzz of anticipation what might happen. Did it with his club with De La Salle as well. But my God, what an inspiration! And really, did it. He, he did it for the jersey. So true. But one thing shouldn't be omitted. Milan was the man because I know I was involved a little bit through the sponsorship with Glambia. We were sponsoring the Warford team at the time. In '04, Milan was forced to say he didn't want to take this any further. And there was money yeah. there to uh, take on the whole institution of appeal it, let's say. And there might have been sympathy for Waterford, whatever. Milan didn't didn't want it. And I think that's that's testament to the man, you know. He 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 um didn't want it at the time. And when you think about it, Waterford beat Cork, you could say, with 40 men in the second half, and Cork went down Monday All Ireland. And Milan's loss against Kilkenny was huge that time because the day against Cork we readjusted and I think we got a lift when Milan went off. Flynn or all the lads, it kind of lifted everyone. Said we, you know, there was this kind of reverse psychology with 14 men playing 15, as can happen. Mm. But I think his loss against Kilkenny was huge as well. But um, uh, would go down as one of one of the one of the all-time greats in Watford. Yeah. Just stop you for a second. If we were to get the, the you talked about 04, what happened against Kilkenny then in 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 the semi-final, 
and you know if they hadn't lost to Wexford that day, you know it's 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 weird the way things work. Oh three, what happened in the Munster final? Oh five, I was at the match in Crow Park against Cork in the quarter final. That was you know maybe they just ran out of steam at the end or whatever mm. it was. But like for me, was it those three years? Maybe they had the breakthrough in oh two, but it was like yeah. once they you know they were kind of established by oh three. If they were to do mm. it at all. It was probably going to be yeah. within those three years. Probably, I'd bring you back actually to 98 when we met Kilkenny. Uh, yeah. A poor enough, if there's such thing as a poor Kilkenny yeah. team, but uh, relative to what came after, like, and people in Kilkenny acknowledged, Walford had the beatings in Kilkenny that day, mm. but again, something that happened, Gerald McCarthy was suspended for the Colin Lynch scenario, the whole replay and abusing, or not abusing, but having hassle with refs and whatever. So Gerald was up in the stand and it was like leaving a crowd of children out without their teacher or coach, you know what I mean, like an underborn. Mm. I, I think the loss of Gerald up in the stand that day in 98, we were just beaten by a point. We had the wind in the second half, playing into Hill 16 end, but uh, that team just, uh, that was a pity that day, because I felt Offaly wouldn't, we wouldn't have feared Offaly in the final. Yeah, You know, hadn't sure. beaten them, in, a lot of lads would have beaten them in the under 21. I think that was a big loss. Um, the 07, you know, the two great games of Cork, but we played three games in 14 days. We played Cork, played them the following weekend, and then we played Limerick the following week, who we've beaten well in the Munster final. I think psychologically, everyone said, everyone, Joe, Joe Public, and anyway, we're into the mm. final. And I think physically they were tired. And I think mentally there was a little bit of, um, we'll, we're into the final here, guys. You know, yeah. I think we underestimated. I would think now players might tell you differently. I think there was a bit of underestimation by everybody, I would think, genuine, if everyone's genuine, about, the Limerick challenge in the semi-final, having beaten them well in the Munster final, even though we were flattered by the extra goals Dan got. But I do think we shouldn't, we should refuse to play three weeks running, just to physically up and down from from Walford to Crow Park every Sunday play a match. I think took a lot out of them, drained them physically and mentally, and I, and I do think that was a huge opportunity that we could have missed. And then the famous one in the game against Cork in the semi-final when Brian Corcoran got a great goal was that uh, Ken the last puck if you remember hit the, hit the upright you know so mm. we had a lot of hard luck stories I was just checking last night just going through it 11 All-Ireland semi-finals we played in two finals won four Munster won two National Leagues and uh, over 30 All-Stars you know in that yeah. period you know what a run what a run of players we have two more players to get to I might get the other corner first because to be honest I, 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 I'm a little bit uh, I'm intrigued as to who the 14 is but I think you know, if your 15 is who I think it is, uh, the man who started it all, really, if you're talking about this group, um, yes. uh, you know, he deserves yeah. a kind of a special conversation about himself. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, uh, Paul Flynn. As I mentioned, uh, Flinner was the man that gave us something to even, I, I think he was part of the under 21 success, not alone just as physically coming on the team in the under 21 that year, but winning that Munster minor, as I said to you earlier, 1948 is a long time ago. I wasn't even alive back then, and 48, and to believe 92, we finally win a Munster minor. Yeah. And while yeah. Tom Feeney was on that team, and we, with some good hurlers, Paddy O'Donnell was full back, with some good hurlers on that team, JP Fitzpatrick was in the forward but the main man was Paul Flynn. And the late, I, I have to mention, Paul Foley, who unfortunately is not with us anymore, went down to referee. He was full forward that year and got some great goals, even in the All Ireland final against Galway. But Flinner that, that year was just unmarkable. The power of his wrists and the power of his shots. And, and uh, my God, he could stick a ball from anywhere. And people seen him playing great games for Waterford. I saw him playing with Belly Gunner. And he got goals in the Munster Club one year against Wolf Tones. He got two goals that I never saw the like of in all, in all, in all my time. You know, he, he could do the impossible and believed he could do it. 
a single handicap golfer, you know, so uh, uh, he has it everywhere. And he won All Ireland um, with Tremor, a senior cup. And of course, like people don't know, he played soccer for Ireland as well, you know, but thankfully, his dad, the late Pat Flynn, was a great warfare goalie in the past. And uh, he had him hurling with Barry Gunners from a young guy. So what a special <laughs> talent. And got, got, got some of the great scores. And that, that bullet of a penalty in 98 in the drawn Munster final. When they literally clear put everybody in bar Gerlach Nan, you, you couldn't even squeeze any more bodies in and thinner, thinner buried it. Yeah. Yeah. Were some great days and had to be on any team. Yeah, as a neutral, I have to say the only player I've ever been at a match where if I thought that he was gonna go for goal, I'd be very, very worried that it was gonna go in. And obviously everyone remembered the 4 I've seen him do it a few times in person. I wasn't at that match, but you're thinking Normally, if you go, the lad's 35 yards out and there's 25 lads in the line, you want them to go for goal, you'll save the score yeah. nearly, you know. But Flynn would be like, please tap it over. Please tap it over. I don't know, Mick, Nobody if you read that. Exactly, you're right. And, and there was that fear and goalkeepers and defenders had it. And there was a famous book, Christy O'Connor wrote, Last Man Standing. I don't know if you read it, but all the goalies yeah. of that comment here. Every, every one of them mentions Flynnery, you know. Yeah. When he got it, if you felt it, you can imagine how, how they felt, you know. Yeah. Uh, so a yeah, guy, so a he had to be on any well. team, you know. So he's he's my number fifteen, yeah, Paul Flynn. Great, and let's finish it off then. With this is a, a hard decision. It's hard to get the, a team like this down to fifteen. Who have you gone for at uh, football? Well, this is it, and I mentioned him earlier. Like I think Morris Shanahan had some great years with Warford, and very much in the shadow of Dan. But Morris was a great talent as well. Saw him since when he was Tony Forrestal all the way up with 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 Lismore and with, and with the county. Great talent. Stephen Malumphy, a man, a man I didn't mention earlier, a man you mm-hmm. can play everywhere around the place. But there's one guy, you've seen the forward line I have there, a half forward line of Dan, Ken, on Kelly, full forward line with Milan and Paul Flynn. One man who was critical of that period, may not have had that silken skills of the others, was Seamus Pendergast. Yeah. Seamus Pendergast was vitally part of a team going forward. He was, he was the target man. He was the, he, was the, he was the man that laid it off. So, and a lot of people overlook him and I thought he was very unfortunate not to, not to get an all-star one year, but Seamus Pendergast was mm. the unsung hero of that forward line. And I'm putting him in there. A lot of people mightn't agree with me, but no. I'll put Seamus Pendergast in full forward. It's funny you should Keep call the Art Moore man happy anyway. Oshie <laughs> will be happy with that. No, but seriously, I think, it, yeah. I, I think it's important a guy like that isn't forgotten, Mick, in all this, yeah. you know, that you need, you need, you need a workhorse. And, you, and uh, he contributed, and even in that four-monster final, he got a crucial score. But I think he's a huge part with all those players around him, he, he, was, he was a real go-to man. That, and you ask any of the managers, be it from Gerald, Justin, Davey, about him, you know, they'll tell you what he brought to a team. There was an honesty. He gave you everything. Very like Brick Walsh, more from a football club background. But my God, there was an honesty and a, and a, and a, a toughness there that I think was crucial in, in the midst of all those uh, fine forwards we have. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you mentioned, like, it's funny you say, like, a glue guy or, or you know, or, or a, you know, the a kind of guy who brings it all together, um, a workhorse. Um, Correct. He was able to do the other side of it as well when he needed to. Like, I mean, was there, oh, there was a game and in the chat, was it a semi final in the day of the year, in the 08, maybe, where he just turned it on and was like, oh, you know, what a score? Like, yeah. And definitely, I think Gerald Brown or Justin Brown, he's hurling greatly. And, like, he's a very mean hurler. And uh, he free take with his own club in Ardmore. They won an under-21 All-Ireland uh, County title, Ardmore, from a very restricted panel, led by the two Prendergast, Declan, he, his younger brother, who I mentioned earlier, 
was a great defender, is, is a great defender still. Uh, he won All Ireland. Would you believe that they won All Ireland with Ardmore, which I was delighted they finally won an All Ireland medal, the Pendergast Bottle. But Seamus was a rock of that team and very underestimated for his hurling ability as well, definitely. But he, you need a big man, um, a, a ball getter, uh, a workhorse, and uh, very popular with the players and supporters alike. So he'd be my number 14 just to, and again, I, I, the several players I mentioned earlier, the Morris Shanahan's and all these you'd like to include are Stephen Bennett now, who's really, sure. but again, he's at the early stage of his career, Patrick Corner, these lads going forward. But I, I definitely think um, I'd have Seamus in there. I like the choice, I have to say. To without a doubt, yeah, Morris would definitely be close. Uh, face to face with Morris when he got a, the winning point, or the, the wrapping up point against Clare in the in oh, Munster yeah. Championship oh, in 2016. Yeah. And Morris got some was great it? scores. And it was you know, unbelievable. It was a cast of a toss of a coin, Dean, but I went with Seamus no. for his longevity as much as anything, you know, and I think in the midst of that forward line, he was part of that of that forward line, you know. I see where you're coming from, absolutely. Listen, it's some team, uh, Kieran, you might just run through it with us there from 1 to 15 again, so we have it. Yeah, so we're going We're going Stephen O'Keefe, the full back line of Owen Murphy, Rick Walsh, Noel Connors, half back line, Tony Brown, Fergal Hartley, Ken McGrath, Midfield, the two, the two young Kevin men, Austin Leeson and, and, and or sorry, Kevin Moran, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, midfield, Rick Walsh, Jamie Barron. Half forward line, Dan Shanahan, Ken McGrath, Owen Kelly. And the full forward line, John Milan, Seamus Prendergast and Paul Flynn. Very good. I think it was uh, Ozzy Gleeson in midfield, wasn't it? And uh, with sorry, Jamie Barron. Ozzie, yeah, 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 sorry, sorry, Ozzy and Jamie. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, sorry. it's bad. I, I tell you, you made a I've few changes. Some scribbling. <laughs> yeah, I've done some scribbling. I had brick midfield, but there was a bit of manipulation happened there. Oh, so. absolutely. Literally, Listen, so there's several of those players, as you say, Mick, you could play in several positions. So that was my dilemma, really, and um, difficult one to do. But look, that's my best shot anyway. And uh, as I said, there's several. I'd like to. Have Five more guys in there, but unfortunately, we can only get in 15. But it's a reasonable team now. Not too bad at all. Not too bad. Listen, it's it's two things. It's uh, people can go and vote for themselves. They won't have not not many people will have seen as many of these guys play as often as you have um, uh, commentating on WLR, uh, Kieran. But people can have their own opinion too, and they can vote. They can get over to Ball City and vote for their team. They're 15 for 30 for Waterford Hurling uh, right now, all the way up until mm. Saturday. And I have to say, Kieran, as well, I don't know how about you, but after this uh, chatting about this for the last half an hour or so, I'm dying to go and watch a bloody game of hurling. Yeah. Well, definitely. <laughs> you, I would say, Mick, it's only when you look back on it, it was really a privilege um, commentating during those years because they played they played with such a band. That team, uh, if you're putting that team out tomorrow, you know, and all of those players had a special talent. We may not have won all Ireland, but my God, they've given us some enjoyment and inspired a generation here in Waterford, you know. Absolutely. What a what a group of legends and that's some team to put together and, and, and not the easiest uh, task in the world. But uh, thanks a million for your time and for the team that you put together here. No problem, Mick. All the best. Cheers. Please, God, we'll see some more hurling this year. <laughs> Absolutely.